You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. Turn with me in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. I tell you what, once you get a hold of this principle, this is the simplest I believe it is the most it is the simplest and most profound message in the Word of God. You can uh, learn how to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, but until you get this message in your heart, I don't believe you personally will be victorious in your own life. Uh, this right here, I believe I mean this is what Jesus went through at the very beginning of his ministry. And there's some revelation in here. I know that some of you, uh, some of this information you may have already heard me share on in the past. We're going to share on it again. But there's been some new revelation to come along. To Man, it's just lit me up. And so we're going to be talking on this for the next few weeks. We're going to make a series out of this. And so at the first part of this first message of the series, we're going to give you an overall view of what we're going to talk about. Then in the weeks to come, we're going to go back in more detail get down to some nitty-gritty in these different areas. But uh, we're going to start reading here. And in the book of Matthew chapter 3 is the story of where Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And if you look down at the end of the chapter there, around 13, and it, it talks about, the, you know, they're talking to each other there. But let's focus on verse 16. It says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Verse 17 is very important. It says, And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, Suddenly. a voice, a sound came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom... I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we're not going to go ahead and read the rest of those, but there's, there's other things that went in, in the weeks to come. We'll talk about more of them, but we want to focus on this first one this morning. Uh, but what we need to understand in, is that in the body of Christ, we're always focused on things on the outside. You know, I've asked people all over, uh, I've asked them all the way from New Zealand to Goodland, Minnesota. I mean, that's a big, I mean... Uh, about what the first temptation was of Jesus Christ. And without a doubt, I've, had, I've been in short arguments with people. Uh, and they said, well, the first temptation of Jesus Christ was turn the, the stones into bread. And it's really important to say stones, not rocks. It, it says stones there, right? It doesn't say rocks. It says stones. We'll talk about that in a second. But everybody says that the first temptation of Jesus Christ was turn the stones into bread. But that wasn't the first temptation. The first temptation is the same temptation that we go through. Matter of fact, when you read these temptations that Jesus goes through, and I like what it says in the book of Luke when it talks about this. It says, And when the tempter had finished all his temptations, 
or when, when he, Jesus had been tempted in everything. You know, the Bible says that Jesus has been tempted in everything that we, we will ever be tempted with. Well, you know, he wasn't tempted with a computer. He wasn't tempted with TV. See, those are all just sideline issues of a real temptation. The real temptation that Jesus went through, for, that he went through just like we all go through, is the temptation to live a life outside of himself, not living a life from within himself. And, and during the next of the couple of weeks, you'll, you're going to see how these three temptations, man, the, the second temptation that Jesus went through, well, just to give you a little commercial for the next weeks, it says, it says that the devil or the tempter took Jesus to the holy city. I mean, the holy city. Not just a city, but the holy city. And then took him and put him on, on the highest point, which was the temple. You know, you know what we'd call that in America? Took, it, took him to church. The devil took Jesus to church and then tempted him while he was there with the very word. He says, well, the Bible says to do this. See, the temptation of Jesus Christ wasn't to turn the stones into bread. The temptation of Jesus Christ wasn't to, to, to do something. See, the temptation was getting to doubt who he was. See, the response of Jesus Christ when the devil said, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread, his response is, it is written, man shall not live. Everybody say live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, the devil tried to get Jesus to turn the stones into bread, tried to do something on the outside to prove who he was on the inside. See, that sounds the same thing that happens to each and every one of us. We make a judgment about the way we are and who we are by our outside living, not by the inside living. And Jesus said this. He said, man shall not live. Everybody say live. Live. Man shall not live. That word live means essence, life. It, the very essence of man shall not be because of what he does on the outside, but man, his very essence, his every being shall be because of what he's heard. Jesus said this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's plan for man was for us to live, to have our life, to have our essence, to have our... Matter of fact, we'll get into this more detail. It's so hard to do this. In 2 Peter, you have a, you have a passage of Scripture that talks about where Peter's talking about tell, telling the people he's talked to how he was eyewitness of Jesus receiving glory and virtue, glory and honor and and they saw this when they saw Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And Matthew and, and they, they saw this and they, they were all amazed on this Mount Transfiguration. And, and they said, man, shall we make a temple for Moses and Elijah and Jesus? And God said, no. This is my beloved son in him. See, and so Peter in 2 Peter's making reference to Matthew 17, and he's saying this. He's saying oh, that we saw on that mountain when Jesus received, when he Jesus heard those words again, that Jesus received glory and honor. 
See, when you hear that you're a son, you then receive... See, sonship, identity, is what gives you the value and dignity or the glory and honor that you live in. We'll talk about the word glory and honor in the weeks to come, and we're going to talk about the word value and dignity. The va- very, you know what the word value means? It means your very self-worth. See, when you know who you're at, if you know who, if you know you're a child of God, you know how valuable you are. If you know that you're a child of God, you're a king's kid, no weapon formed against you, you're going to be able to stand in faith because you've heard, because you know most each and every one of us have our identity. We even look like our mom and daddies. You know, we get our identity from, once you get your establishment of our identity of whose son you are, that's where you get your value and your dignity. You know what the word dignity means? Morality and ethics. You get your very morality. See, righteousness is not moral or ethical behavior. It's right standing with God because you're a son. And because you know you're right standing with God because you're a son, you will have moral and ethics. Your dignity will be established in who you are. Man, we're going to get into this. It's going to blow you away. I mean, when you realize, when you can change the way you think about yourself, See, see, the devil's been trying to get us to, to judge ourselves according to our outside, just like he did Jesus here at the first temptation. The first temptation of Jesus wasn't to turn the stones into bread. He, listen, there was nothing wrong. There, I've searched the scripture. There's nothing in the Levitical law that says he, he could have turned the stones into roast beef. Make a subway. There was nothing wrong with it. But see, here's a little side note. The reason Jesus didn't turn the stones into bread, because what was the Ten Commandments written on? Stones. And if he would have wrote, see, the devil wanted Jesus to take what was dead and was supposed to produce death and produce life out of it. See, the devil wanted Jesus to take the stones that was made to make us guilty and bring nourishment from it. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to use the law to bring nourishment to man. I'm going to see, show you something this morning that you've never seen before. We're going to answer a question that many people have asked throughout Christendom. You're going to learn something this morning probably that's going to make you smarter than the average bear. All right, let's see what happens here in the book of Matthew. We just got through reading this where it says this. It says, see, the temptation wasn't to turn the stones into bread. It was getting him to do something on the outside to make him more valuable on the inside. What did he just hear from heaven? He just heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the first temptation was to get him to say, okay, now prove it by what you know Jesus said no I'm not going to live on the outside man's going to live by what he hears from heaven now if this principle is true matter of fact the next temptation you got the same thing we'll talk about that next week but if this principle is true throughout the word we should see it turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 3 Genesis chapter 3 this is just too cool Genesis chapter 3 
I like what it says here in, in, in verse 1. It's talking about the, the serpent being cunning. It says now, verse 1 says, The serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And, uh, and the woman's, the, I like this, And the woman said, Is that what your Bible says? And the woman said, Who is, who is, who is the devil talking to? Who is the serpent talking to? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has, has said, what, what, what's what she, she says, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it. Now I've heard all kinds of people say that, that uh, well see right here she misquotes God because God didn't say you can't touch it. He just said, don't eat it. And that's where, aha, that's where the devil got her. Because she misquoted scripture. Mm-hmm. 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 See, where she missed it was, see, see, I don't believe Eve was this evil woman. I don't believe she was trying to, 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 outdo anything I, I believe what happened was that the devil made her think that if I do something on the outside like eat of that tree I can become more like God on the inside that doing something on the outside is going to make me more valuable to God on the inside but why see, see you got to remember that Adam and Eve were created in the image and the they already were like God. But why did the devil talk to Eve? Anybody ever ask that question? Why did the serpent come to Eve and not Adam? Is that a good question? Even the scholar on the front row, had, a lot of people ask that question. A lot of people have different opinions. I'm going to give you the word. Y'all want the word on this matter? The reason the reason the serpent didn't come to Adam because he had heard the word. Eve never heard the word. In Romans 10 it says faith cometh by and hearing by the We just read a scripture that says, Man should not live by things on the outside, but by everything that he... She had never heard God. Heard the word not to eat the tree. She was told not to eat the tree. How many of us in church have never heard God? We've just been told what to do. I'm good. It takes a lot to make goosebumps on my arm. But how many of us in churchdom have been told what to do and we've never heard? Yeah. Who heard the Ten Commandments from God? He didn't break them because he heard them. The people broke them 
because they didn't want to talk to God. They didn't hear it from God. They heard it from a man. There's a lot of us in the body of Christ hearing the word from a man. We're not hearing it from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, Paul's saying that, he's saying, he's saying, I am worried that you will be deceived as Eve was deceived. See, you can be deceived if you hadn't heard from God. If you just hear from man, things can be changed. Things can be interpreted. See, if you've just been given a bunch of rules and regulations, the next time you get around a different group of people that have a different group of rules and regulations, you can be saved. Doubt can... See, you start living on the... See, as long as you just get told the Word, you live on the outside. But when you hear the Word, you start living on the inside. I don't know about you, but... That, that, that's... Why didn't the serpent go to Adam because he had a word he heard from God Eve was told what Adam heard from God she wasn't even around she was still inside of Adam when Adam heard and then she was created So the devil went to the one that had never heard on the inside. How important is it for you to hear what the Spirit is saying? Remember, faith comes by what? See, see, she didn't have the faith to overcome the enemy because she hadn't heard. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. That word, it's the rhema word. And guess what? When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but how shall man live? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't get a better description of the word rhema. Jesus said, man's not going to live by what he does on the outside. He's going to live by rhema. By the spoken word of God that you hear. I guarantee you, if God speaks something to your heart, you won't let go, ever. It's yours. When you hear that you're a son of God, listen, what had Jesus done before this? What had Jesus done before he was baptized? What had Jesus done before he was walked in the desert to be tempted? Nothing! But he was still well-pleasing. This is, and he was still beloved. It was, see, we think that being well-pleasing and being beloved to God is based on what we do. No, it's not based on what you do or don't do. It's based on you here because you are well-pleasing. You are his beloved. You're going to get your... Most people are trying to get their worth and dignity by what they do. Most of us in here have judged our value by our ability to perform our ethics. Oh, you don't want to be here when we talk about ethics and, and, and morals and ethics because it all comes from a value issue. The less valuable you believe you are, the more problems you have with morals and ethics.
You can try to stop your morals and ethics. You can try to change them. But until you know how valuable you are, you'll go back to them. We may be in this more than four or five weeks. We start getting into when Jesus, when the, uh, the tempter took him to church, read scripture to him, says, well, if you just do what the scripture says to do, you'll be a, you'll be a son of God. If you be the son of God, do what the scripture says to do. You ever heard that before? Well, if you just do what we say to do in church, you'll be a good Christian. You know, there's no such thing as a good Christian. So quit trying to be one. I set you free. <laughs> There's no such thing as a good or bad Christian. You either are one or you're not one. Now there's a carnally minded and a spiritually minded. But it has nothing to do with value and dignity. It has to do with the renewing of the mind. It has to do with how much you're experiencing the salvation that you're believing in. See, the church is full of people trying to become something that they already are. We're working so hard to become so pleasing. And when you fail, you don't feel like you are. But you are. That's why the scripture says a righteous man, when he falls, he gets back up. Righteous doesn't mean that he does everything right. A righteous man just knows who he is. He's righteous. So he gets back up and keeps on going. He doesn't let the failures of this life stop him and make him suffer shipwreckness. He presses on to the mark of the prize of the high calling. He just gets up and presses on. Next time he needs some help, he gets around somebody that's strong in faith and helps him walk the walk because of who he is on the inside. See, Jesus didn't see. If you can prove to me that you're a Christian by what you do on the outside, I can prove to you that you're not a Christian because of what you don't do. Tell you what, you want to get in the battle of what you do and what you don't do? I will win. Go ahead, prove to me. Well, I got... I tell you, I can't get... We're meddling now, but... We'll, we'll meddle some more in the weeks to come. But you need to understand that your value and your dignity is all based on your identity. Your identity is based on what you hear. If you've never heard, you'll always struggle with your value and dignity. End of the message. Go home. No, just kidding. That's what I'm saying in a nutshell. Your moral and ethical behavior is dependent upon your value system. Your value system is based on what you've heard on the inside. If you were told you're no good as a child, you're living it out in your life today. Because your identity is based on what you did when you were no good. A no good son does what a no good son does. But a good son may mess up, but he's still a good son. His identity is not in what he does. His identity is in his acceptance by his father. Does everybody understand that? If you can get this in your heart, it'll change your life. You'll have health in your bones. Your cells begin to rejuvenate because you start believing you're not a son of your, you're a son of your daddy, but now you're a son of your father. You understand? You can change your DNA to line up with what the father says. You can walk in health. We really, the church really needs to be the ones that are the most healthy in the, in the world. I believe with all my heart that we should be healthy. I'm gonna say it, and that we should be wealthy. 
There's no reason for the body of Christ to be the poorest people in town. Just hoping to hang on for salvation, believing for... Listen, the word is to affect us in the here and now, just not in the sweet by and by. You know how I feel about that word, that song, Though None Go With Me, right? I hate that song. What do you mean, though none go with you? What kind of, Im- what kind, what kind of impact has the word made in your life if none's going with you? <laughs> what kind of light have you been shining, though none go with you? I understand what the song's saying, but take the, bring somebody with you. Make an impact. Make a difference where you live, though none go with you. That's a selfish Christian right there. I understand what it's saying. I still, no. Tell you what, church, this will change your life. Let me just read this again. It hit me so hard when I understood that they were already created in the image and the likeness. And the deceiver, the the serpent, was deceiving her, thinking that she could do something on the outside to make herself more valuable on the inside. You know, we read about the first temptation of Jesus. We we read about the first temptation, really, of man. And uh, the lack of faith, you know, the lack of faith in her part... It's, and it's not her fault, it's just that she hadn't heard. There's something powerful about the hearing of the Word of God. I don't mean the listening, I mean the, like you're hearing, but the hearing on the inside. The rhema word. There's something spoken to you. And you may, you, you may be asking, well, nothing's being spoken, I hadn't heard anything. Well, we might want to start listening. That's, the, that's why the power of worship is so, in, so incredible. See, when you've heard something in your heart, you can go on. Sometimes we just need to hear again what we've heard before to revitalize what we know. Uh, you know, we talked about the first temptation of Christ. We talked about the, the, uh, the, one of the first temptations uh, in the garden uh, was to get them to do something on the outside. We're not going to turn there just for the sake of time and everything, but the last, one of the last temptations of Jesus. Now remember, we're setting a principle here. We're seeing a pattern. I like what it says in the book of Luke. I made mention of it earlier where it says that at the end of these temptations, it says, and the tempter left for a more opportune time. Now remember, Jesus was tempted in every area that you're tempted in. And what was the only area that he was tempted in? We're going to talk about those three areas, but it all deals with one thing. Identity. Three different areas he was tempted in. All come out of one thing. Identity. One of the last temptations of Jesus Christ. When was that more opportune time, you think? When the, the, see, that means the tempter came back. When the Bible says the tempter, the tempter left for a more opportune time, it means that he came back. Jesus hanging on the cross. The Roman centurion looks up to him and he says, If you be the Son of God, 
do something to prove it. Pull yourself down. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone. Why? He didn't want to do... See, Jesus never did anything on the outside to prove who he was. But who he was proved what he did. He could have called 10,000 angels just to prove who he was. If you be... He said, no. I want my people to live from the inside, not live from the outside. Because if you can prove to me you're a good Christian by what you've done, I can show you where you're a bad Christian because of what you haven't done. Thus we have in the church what we have, a bunch of codependent people living in guilt and manipulation right. instead of freedom and liberty and love. Most every one of us in here, including myself, have lived under codependent Christianity in a process of guilt and manipulation to get you to serve something that you've really never, never felt a part of. And probably something you were never supposed to be a part of. But you felt guilty because you weren't. What God wants you to be a part of is His family. And you need to hear. Salvation is about hearing that you are loved by God that Jesus paid the price for you and you've been accepted. What, listen, the price was paid for you before you even believed it. You need to understand that. The scripture says, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It's done. Your sins have been forgiven. I, I tell you, when, when people hear this, they should get a shocker, but I'm going to tell you right We talk about this kind of stuff on Wednesday night, but you need to hear this. God doesn't have a sin problem. He doesn't have a problem with your sin. You do. Repenting doesn't change God's mind. It changes yours. God's mind about you is already made up. You are accepted and well-pleasing to Him. All the sins past and present have already been forgiven. Judgment has already been paid on the cross. He wants The goodness of God will draw all men to change the way they think about Him. You just need to hear. You need to hear. You, need to, you don't need to be told. You need to hear. I don't want to tell nobody nothing. I want them to hear it. Faith comes by hearing. I tell you, I'm so captivated on Romans 10. It says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Because that's the word that people need to hear to establish a faith in them that's going to cause them to believe. But how can that person preach unless someone's sent? The person's got to be sent. The message has got to get out. Church, you need to understand that you are sending me out of this place. The doors are beginning to open that I can go out from this place and begin to preach the gospel of peace in other, in other houses, in other churches, in other congregations. The doors are opening up. You're sending me. That's why we're believing in partnership, not membership. I want you to believe in part. We're going to start... Listen. I've had so much going through my mind. 
Listen, there's a story in the Old Testament about Elijah, Elijah who goes and uh, God calls him to go to a widow who's just about to die, doesn't have any food, has one little morsel just for her and her son. And, and God tells the prophet, the man of God tells him, tells him to go, uh, go to her house and eat her food, basically. And everybody says, oh, look at that prophet. He's going out there to eat. He's going to go and eat, eat that lady's last little bit of food so she can die. And she even tells him, he says, well, prophet, this is the last little bit we have. I just got enough to make this little bitty cake, and my son and I were going to die. That's how broke they were. Oh, it's evil of that prophet to come eat that. Oh, how greedy of that prophet. No, God didn't send the prophet to her house for the prophet. He sent the prophet to her house for her. Well, how can you say that? He's going to eat her, her last little bit. Listen, there's a partnership was beginning to develop. A partnership, not a membership, a partnership. She took what she had. She heard the word. She took what she had. She planted it into the prophet. And the Bible says that her oil jar Never, well, I shouldn't say word never. She got 50 jars of oil. Now, is this where you got you to stop and fill it? Stop it. You know the story I'm talking about? Everybody shaking their head? Okay. Got 50 jars of oil from this one thing that she. So, as she did what God spoke, she. Because, now, what if the prophet wouldn't have been there? She would have ate the bread and died. That was the only other outcome. But look what happened. Now, the prophet just didn't turn around and leave. I believe the prophet stayed because as she continually made... Did she have 50 jars of oil? I mean, did she have 50 empty jars? No, because she probably already sold them. So where did the 50 jars of oil come from? I believe she had one jar that refilled itself 50 times because she continually was in partnership with this prophet and as she continually and see there's more scripture we're not done with that yet but this is what you're going to get this in the next couple weeks to come as she began to be in partnership and saw what God was doing her in the principle of giving and receiving as she every every not every every week every day she made bread for her her family her son and if the prophet was there he got some too but as she every day did what God had called her to do Regular, consistent. You know how that story ends? Eventually, as time goes by, her son dies. And she goes up to the prophet and asks the prophet to raise her son from the dead. Pastor John, you realize that at the starting of that relationship, she didn't have faith to live. But because of her faithfulness, in her partnership that gave her faith along the way she grew as she saw God every day every week refill her jar refill her provision every day as she began to see the financial part of God begin to come into her life her faith began to grow and when her son died she was able to say listen she started out not being able to believe for nothing to go into the prophet and have a relationship will you pray for my son that he be healed that's a woman of faith. She didn't have that faith until she started giving. Because it was something she heard. It was something on the inside. 
It just wasn't something to do. But she had heard it. She, she, she knew that God was speaking, and so she applied it, and she kept on applying it. She kept on. Listen, the word works when it gets out of your... When you hear the word on the inside, it's going to come out on the outside. But if you just hear it on the outside, it's not going to... You're, you're going to get deceived. It's going to be taken away. Listen, the scripture is real. But it wasn't real to Eve in the garden because she hadn't heard it. She was told it. Faith comes by hearing. You can sit in church all your life and never really hear. Book of Revelations, chapter 3, Jesus stands at the door of a church and knocks, says, let me in. If anybody would open their heart, I'll come in and sup with them and they'll sup with me. We'll have relationship. We'll have koinonia. We'll have fellowship. The church is full of people with closed up hearts just hearing stuff from their head. I don't believe that. Uh, that's not what that is. I said, I've been to four or five churches in town and I know what they all believe. And, ah. <sighs> don't be the don't be a, a, just soaking up information. Just get one revelation. Hear the word of God. Hear the rhema. It'll change your life. You won't be the same. I'm trying to make this as simple and easy. It's, it's, it's the same principle throughout the word. Hear what the Spirit has to say. And let it affect your life. Just don't listen. Hear it. Hear the word. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you just open the hearing. May we hear what you're speaking. May we hear that we are a child of yours, that we are part of the family of God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that your ways are for us and not against us, that we are king's kids, that we're more than conquerors, that everything that pertains to life and godliness is already ours, that our righteousness is not based on what we do, but on what was done for us. Father, I thank you that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's not even about our obedience, it's about His. Father, I thank you for the revelation of the spirit, soul, and body. Father, I thank you that we can get down to the issues of the heart. The very heart that Jesus came to heal. Jesus, thank you for healing our broken hearts. May we hear. May we hear your word. for the first time. Speak your word as we open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, you're the great helper. You're the great teacher. Teach us. Teach us how to open our hearts. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten so we could become your sons.
Everybody look up to me for a second. I just had the, the story of the prodigal son. You know, we call it that because that's what the translators titled at the very beginning of the scriptures there when you read it. It's really not a story of the prodigal son. Just, just, I wish you could just take that out of your Bible. Because <gasps> it's not about the prodigal son. And it's not about the son that stayed. It says, there was a father. The story is about a father who had two sons that didn't love him. I believe one's a Gentile, represents Gentiles, and I believe one's a Jew. Is that good? You agree with that? And that's why it says, that's why I like to say it this way. It says that in the book of Ephesians, that out of the Jew and out of the Gentile, he's going to create one new son. I believe that's why we have been adopted. You're not adopted into the family of Judaism. You're adopted into the family of God. See, really the story of the prodigal son is, is the story about the missing son. The father who had two sons. Neither one of them loved. The prodigal son didn't come back to be a son. He came back to be a slave. To do what the other one had been doing. The other one had been doing what he'd been told to do, but he wasn't happy about it. That sounds like a bunch of religious people to me. But where's the... See, the father had a heart for his sons. But there was no heart from a son to the father. That's what we're talking about. We're a new creature. That's what the Bible calls us. Strange and peculiar. A new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I can show you passage of scripture where it says angels are checking into what we are because we're surprised. To have a creature on this earth where it's not where God isn't on the outside but he's on the inside. It's no longer I that liveth but Christ that lives in me. I tell you what church if you just hear my heart I don't want to preach at you. Listen I tell you what, we, we, if you come on Wednesday nights, we get in some good stuff because even the Holy Spirit didn't come to convict you what's wrong with you. He said He came to convict the world of righteousness, not unrighteousness. Slap. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he said to convict the world of righteousness. He didn't come to convict you of unrighteousness. righteous because of Jesus you just don't know it my job is job of the Holy Ghost convict you of your rightness not your wrongness my job as a pastor is not to tell you what's wrong with you you know why everybody's been here any longer than two years say what you know why my job isn't to commit, tell you what's wrong with you because I'm going to miss something my job is to tell you what's right with you because you've been told what's wrong with you. 
haven't you? Hadn't helped you, has it? Now I'm going to tell you what's right with you. God loves you. Your value and dignity, the very, listen, the word glory and honor are going to blow you away. When your identity gets in Christ Jesus, as His was in His sonship with the Father, you'll see the value and dignity. You'll see the glory and honor. The word glory, it's literally God's reality. You want God's reality in your life? You've got to see yourself as a son. Everywhere the word glory is, it's His reality shows up. Everywhere. It's just the reality of God invading our, our reality. Man, hang on these next few weeks. We're going to go a place where no man's ever gone. That's that Star, Star Trek thing again. You know, I just like that. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, I'm going to just ask that uh, let's uh, darling, can you dim these lights? Just go ahead and just shut them off. We're just going to have a time at the altar. Joy's going to begin to sing and minister out of her relationship that she has. If this has touched you in any way this morning, and trust me, this, this altar call has nothing to do with my value and dignity. But if this has touched you in any way, I believe with all my heart that in, as we step out in faith, listen, you need to hear the voice from heaven. You need to hear that you are a daughter, a son of God, of your Father God. God is your Father, and you are well-pleasing. You're complete. You're totally acceptable, complete in Christ Jesus. You have available to you all the power of the resurrection. Man, you need to hear that. Holy love, fully complete. You're accepted. And you have all the power. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is already given because you're a son. Oh, you need to hear. If you need to hear that this morning, I'm going to open up the altars and you can either come to the front, you can kneel where you're at. If you don't want to hear if you don't want to hear that you're a son, just that's okay. But if you want to hear, we're going to make this time available to you. I just, want to bless just take this time this morning, either to, to kneel where you're at, sit, put your hand on your head, sit down with your hands back like this with your hand raised. Stand with your arms open however you want to do it. Kneel at the altar. Make a declaration, a sign of faith in some degree. Do something to go after. Do something that's going to move your flesh. Maybe you've just been a member of a church. And you've never seen yourself as a partner with God. 
upon the strength Take this opportunity. The word is fresh. The Holy Spirit is here. Open your heart. Get past your mind. Well, I've never done something like this before. Good. And you'll have something you never had before. He stands at the door and knocks. Some of you may need to just cry out in your prayer, God, I need to hear. I'm tired of being told. I want to hear. Have a hunger to hear, church. Because telling you is not going to do you any good. about a group of people that had uncircumcised hearts and ears. See, the Bible talks about the heart that needs to be circumcised, but it also talks about the ears. We need to get the flesh away. Cut the flesh. The Word, is, the word of God is a, like a two-edged sword. It's sharp enough to divide the soul and the spirit, and it's the same thing that's used to circumcise the heart and the ears. I believe as you hear the word from a good heart, your ears will become circumcised and you will hear the word in your heart. Let the word do what the word does. Don't reject the word. Don't reject the word. I just saw a picture. I was up here with Laura and we're praying. You ever just... I don't want to say teenage love, but been a teenager, you 
you'd like someone a whole lot. You loved them in your mind. You, I mean, in your heart. But you didn't know that they loved you and people were telling you they, they really like you. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. You kept telling yourself, no, they don't. And you really didn't believe it until that day when they reached over and took your hand. Something happened or they told you. There was something about all the... You knew it on the inside. And then there was a connection between the two of you that was made because you opened up your heart to receive what they had to offer. This is the power of the heart, church. Listen to this. There are people that commit suicide because they feel like nobody loves them. And everybody you talk to will tell you that all we ever did was tell them how much they were so loved by everybody. But see, when your heart is closed and uncircumcised, you're not receiving the truth that's on the outside even. You're not receiving what people have to give to you because of the condition of your heart. The same thing is true. You're not receiving what God has for you because of the condition of your heart. I hope I can take the Word of God and the Holy Ghost with me and guide me very carefully. And we don't want to, we, we just want to cut the flesh from around your heart to let God in. Going to cut the ear first. Going to circumcise the ear so He can hear, so the Word can get in your heart and begin to strip the flesh back from your heart, that hardness and that bitterness, that unforgiveness, the old memories. Quit living in the old memories. Don't let the past affect your future. Start living in that fresh new relationship. Walk around like you know. And you, you know when someone's in love. You know that? You know when someone's in love. You can see it on their face. Some of us need to fall in love all over again. We're just ornery looking. Other churches. No, I'm not telling you guys. I'm not telling y'all's ornery. Other churches. David said, Return unto me the joy of my salvation. He had a heart condition. He'd forgotten how much he was loved. That's the secret of salvation. It's not doing stuff right. The secret of salvation is knowing that you're loved. Father, I bless these. I bless them now with your word. Holy Ghost, I bless them with your ministry. I bless them with your fruit and your gifts. I bless them, Father, with a manifestation of your love through your word. I bless them, I bless them, I bless them, I bless them. And may they go from this place, this, this day, being blessed. And may from what they have on the inside come out of them and may they be a blessing because of what they have on the inside may they give from what they have because they can't give if they don't have may they learn what it means to be a partner in partnership with the covenant of God mm. Holy Ghost 
If you receive this word this morning, raise up your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Hug a neck and shake a hand.